Hi, hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Over the Neon Rainbow. I'm your host, Anna Yvette. I'm a singer, songwriter, producer based out of New York, and over the years I've had the pleasure of working with hundreds of talented artists, producers, and writers from all over the world. I've created this podcast to share some of my experiences in the music industry. When I first started out, I had to learn everything by trial and error, so I wanted to create a helpful resource that I wish I had access to when I was first starting out. We're going to be talking about all of the things on this podcast, the good, the bad, the boring, you know, all that tedious stuff that no one tells you you should be doing, but absolutely need to be doing. (laughs) I really hope that Over the Neon Rainbow can be the bridge to help many of you take music from being your full-time passion to your full-time profession. So thanks for joining me today, and let's get it started. In this episode of Over the Neon Rainbow, I'm going to be talking about how to work remotely with producers and artists from all around the world. I think a lot of people have this misconception that you have to be rich or have a pub deal or move to LA in order to be successful in this industry. And while all those things are very helpful, you honestly don't need that to be successful in this industry. I found that all you really need is a home studio and the internet. (laughs) Of course, it would be amazing to have the funds to fly all over the world and collaborate in person. And it's always really great when you get to have the opportunity to be in the same room with your fellow collaborator, but you can really achieve the same results by working remotely as well. So you absolutely shouldn't let that deter you from, you know, reaching out to people and getting it done. Every collaboration I've done has had its own unique way of coming to fruition. So sometimes an artist or their management or label will email me with an opportunity to collaborate, or the artist and producer will DM me on Twitter or add me on Facebook and message me, which is absolutely amazing when this happens and it's someone that you really want to work with. But you can't just sit around and hope that someone you want to work with is going to contact you. What I've done in the past, and I still do to this day, is literally stalk people I want to work with on the internet. (laughs) Sound so creepy when I say that, but seriously, it's true. I am the best internet detective like ever. I don't know if it's because I'm a girl and we're born with this skill, or if it's because I've been doing this for so many years and have just become really good at it. But I'll share with you um, a story of how my collaboration with Electrolyte and Tobu came about, which honestly, I had so much fun working with the two of them. Probably one of the funnest times I've ever had remotely collaborating with two other artists. So this is how it sort of came about. I was listening to music and I came across one of Electrolyte's songs on a playlist and I really loved it. I loved the production, just everything. So immediately I Google his artist name. I go on Spotify. I go on to SoundCloud. I start listening to all of his songs, which personally I feel is really important to do before you ever even decide to start working with somebody. I do this for two reasons. First, I'd like to make sure that I'm really into their style and their vibe. And it's not just, you know, the one song and whatever. So I really like to take the time to give their music a good, thorough listen. Secondly, 
I like to familiarize myself with their work, not only out of respect for the other producer, but I also don't want to get caught with my pants down, not doing my research about them. (laughs) I've definitely been in some situations where I didn't Google who someone was before we started working together, didn't give their music a listen, and then they reference a massive song they've done, like probably one of their biggest songs, and I have no idea what they're talking about. So embarrassing. And then I'm like searching for the song while I'm talking to them, pretending pretending I know what they're talking about, trying to give it just the quickest listen I can, totally half-assed. So I don't look like a total freaking moron, but yeah, not not really a good creative uh, vibe you want to be putting out. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely, always, before you work with somebody, take some extra time, Google them, listen to their music, scroll through their socials. You know, think of it as sort of like doing your homework before you show up to class sort of thing. Just be prepared. <laughs> anyway, so after listening to all of Electrolyte songs, I stalk out his real name. I go to Adam on Facebook when lo and behold, he was already my Facebook friend and I had no idea. So I super lucked out on that one. So the next thing I did was Facebook message him. Oh, also crucial, 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 crucial. I never hit someone up with a collab bro, like on messenger and have that be the first thing that I say. I just, I, I feel, and maybe this is just me. When someone messages me with that, I feel like it's a little, uh, rude. Like, I don't know. I, I like to really get to know somebody because I feel like music is all about connection. And again, maybe it's just me. Maybe that's just how I feel. But I really like to get to know somebody a little bit before we start working together to see if we click, to see if like we're on the same wavelength and we vibe. And um, I don't know. I just feel like it's a little rude to come out with that. So <laughs> yeah. So I think that just adding that extra personal touch of introducing yourself saying hello, that you're a fan of their work and have like a normal conversation before you even approach the question of working together, It's it really pays off. I mean, it just sets the tone for a really great creative working environment. So yeah, anyway, back on the topic. Electrolyte is from Scotland. And I can honestly say that <laughs> if Facebook Messenger did not exist, I don't think I ever would have been able to collaborate with him in real life because like a really expensive flight, you know? Um, so yeah, after that, me and Electrolyte had started talking about possibly collaborating together. And then he mentioned that he'd also wanted, had been, you know, working on a song with Tobu and he really wanted to, you know, maybe the three of us collab together. So I'd already been a fan of Tobu for a while. And Tobu actually lives in Latvia. So again, very, uh, very far away from New York. So What we did is made a group chat on Facebook and we worked on the song over the next few weeks or I think it was actually months. Um, I honestly can't remember, but it was so much fun getting to know the both of them, working on that song, like going back and forth with like all the changes that we made. And we, all three of us were really happy with the way it came out. The song, by the way, is called Aurora and you can find it on all three of our Spotify's, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to music, if you'd like to go give it a listen. But yeah, that collab was so much fun. I think it was just, I don't know, I really enjoyed it. It was great. Wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for, you know, Facebook Messenger. Yeah, I think it was also really great that the three of us were in three different time zones in three different countries, all working on the same song. So 
really cool. I also think something that's really helped me to collaborate remotely with people is that we're all friends on Facebook. It's just such a great community. And I think if you utilize it properly, it can really help you. I've joined a lot of production groups, a lot of, you know, label groups, even fan groups. And I've met some really, really amazing people by doing that. Another way Facebook has been so helpful is because I've been a part of a lot of collaborations when a producer will post that they need a vocalist or they want to collab with somebody, someone else will tag me or I respond to it myself. So it's just it's just really been a huge tool for me. So, you know, definitely if you're not on Facebook, I mean, I get it. A lot of people don't want to be, but it's been super helpful for my career. Um, so moving on. Once you've made your connection to your fellow collaborator and you decide you definitely want to work on something together, there's two very different roads you can travel down. I feel my case is a bit more unique because I'm a songwriter and a producer and not just one or the other um, strictly. So of course, everyone's experience is going to be different, but I'm just going to share mine. Also, just so it's less confusing, I'm going to stick to how things generally work with an EDM collab because pop and hip hop are, they're a bit more involved and different each time. And I'll cover how those collabs work in another future episode. So just for the sake of this episode, I'm going to stick to how it generally works in dance music. So two roads you can go down. So the first road This is when the producer will ask me for an already completed vocal or vocal and instrumental that I've already written and recorded. The vocal is also always already mixed and processed, and I give it to them as a complete and finished vocal so they don't have to really do any mixing or anything else like that. So, for example, when I made Hide with Spaghetti, I'd already had the vocal and piano and some basic production elements done for the track. When I gave it to him, I gave him all the stems, And then we just went back and forth until we were happy with it. And that's how that song was born. I'd have to say at least 50% of my collabs with other producers are done this way. They ask me for an already completed vocal or vocal and instrumental, and then they produce around it. Another key element to being able to collaborate this way is being organized. (laughs) I am OCD organized with all of my vocals and project files. I used to not be in the beginning, honestly, um, but it, it just makes your life so much easier. So if I'm working remotely with someone, I always keep all the stems, all the vocals, everything that we might need to work together on a project in a shared folder with them on Dropbox. So I have a folder of about 60 unused vocals right now. Um, they're all organized by BPM. The same thing goes for songs that are vocals and instrumentals or beats. And they all have their corresponding folders of stems, which may sound like overboard, but for me, I just like to be really prepared. And being so prepared and organized has really, really helped me. I'm not saying that this is something you need to do, but it's definitely made a huge difference in my life. It's made my life so much easier. I also make a point to have a playlist of unused vocals and demos on sound. SoundCloud as well, just so that I can quickly link out to, to other people in case I'm not in my studio. But you also have to account for that um, people are kind of lazy. So if you're sending things out to somebody and Dropbox link isn't working and you're out or vice versa with SoundCloud, you have two different ways that, you know, they, they can't be lazy. I just, I don't like to leave anything to chance. That's just me though. I'm just, you know, you don't have to do this. This is what I do. <laughs> so, um, Yeah. Something else that I also like to account for when working remotely is time zones. Um, This is also why 
I've learned it's so great to use a shared folder that you both have access to because I might send somebody a message and by the time they respond to me, I could be out or away or working on a different project that day. So to keep the process moving along, we can always just check in with the shared folder if we need something or you know whatever. So let's say like I work on a vocal, I finish it, it's in the shared folder. And by the time they you know wake up and they get ready to work on the song, it's already in there and we don't lose a day because like they don't have what they need for me. I find it's also been really important to be able to have access to files 24-7 because you might miss out on an opportunity if you don't. You know, sometimes I'll get an email asking for a vocal or a song just because they happen to be in a meeting or in a session. And I love the fact that I can access everything through my phone, through Dropbox or SoundCloud, and I don't have to worry about missing out. And then also there's just like the sheer convenience of it, you know, just laying in my bed, 6.30 a.m., sending songs from my phone while they're in London having a meeting. So... Major K, major, major, major K. Um, <laughs> all right, so I think that covers it for the first road. Um, now we're going to talk about the second road. The second road is writing a brand new song completely from scratch. A producer will send me an instrumental and I'll just write the vocal to the instrumental. Sometimes the instrumental is pretty complete or it's just a sketch of the song. Or even if, um, you know, sometimes like we'll come up with a chord progression we really love and then build the song together from there. It's really a different process every time, which is something I love about being able to make music. It's always interesting. It's always different. You're always learning something new, um, which I think just also collaborating with people, I think it really improves your skill sets as a musician because you're working with so many different people all the time. You're learning something new. I mean, everybody does it different. So it's really inspiring. I love that. Anyway, so sometimes things are really straightforward. Uh, A label or management will give me an instrumental and I'm just straight up top lining, which means writing the song, singing it, engineering and mixing it and like processing it. That's it. Sometimes I don't get to have communication with the producer. In that case, it's either they like what I submit or they like what I submit, they want a few tweaks. I really don't get to be involved in that much of the collaborative process sometimes like that. Um, It almost kind of feels like you're auditioning to get the part. So it's either they love it and they take it or didn't get it. And honestly, that's really for me personally not a big deal because I feel like some of my greatest songs have been you know, somebody didn't want the vocal and I get it. And then I shop it around to somebody else and they build a song around it. And the song becomes, you know, something brand new and awesome that like was even better than the first thing. So yeah, I mean, don't, you should never feel discouraged by rejection or when someone says no, because that's just a new opportunity for you to do something new. So nothing is ever lost. You know, don't feel sad about it. I feel like that took me a little while to learn, like not to get butt hurt, but it's, it's always a good thing. So just keep it moving. Other times, and I really try to have it be this way more often than not, I make a point to have a chat with a producer, like vibe with them, get to know them, get to know their story. I love like brainstorming song ideas together, you know, talk about music that inspires us. Um, I really like to get a feel for like what they like, what their musical tastes are. It also makes it easier for me to collaborate with somebody when I know what they like, because, you know, then I can sort of do things that I know that they'll be into, you know, um, as opposed to just like doing my own weird 
like thing. <laughs> so I also think it's really important, especially if the other person doesn't actually sing or write lyrics like at all, to make sure that for me as a writer, I'm doing my job to make an authentic song that the producer also feels a personal connection to. So I really try my best to incorporate that in the lyrics, certain singing styles that I think that they enjoy. This way, the song's a reflection of the two of us. And we both feel connected to it. And we really like, it just, I don't know. I love the way that that works together. It's really fun. Actually, here's like a story of how the song Neon Rainbow came about with Ramesses B. Definitely a fitting story for the first episode of this podcast. <laughs> so Ramsan over an instrumental. I just, I love the vibe of it like right away. So we decided, okay, like this is a song we're going to do together. And then we got to start talking about like song concepts and whenever I write a song, and I don't know, I don't know what, you know, if, if all of the writers do this, but this is just what I love to do. It just, it's so helpful to me and I just really enjoy it. It's fun. Um, <laughs> I like to make up a whole backstory for the song and like create its own little world with like characters, its own story, the time, the place. We were chatting about how cool the internet is because it allows you to find people who have similar interests like that you do, even though they might be on the other side of the world. So the main character in the song for Neon Rainbow, basically it's that they feel like, you know, understood by the friends they've made in their own little digital world. And whenever they're feeling lonely, they can just reach out to their friends online and feel accepted and, and connected. So that's where the song concept for Neon Rainbow came from. And it really resonated with the both of us because, you know, over the years we've made friends online through music that have really become our real friends in real life. And these are people that, you know, like we'll go and visit, we work with all the time, we talk to, and they really have just become like a big part of our lives. Yeah, we just thought it would be cool to write a song about that because if it hadn't been for the internet, <laughs> it never would have happened. I, I really feel like this episode is turning into like an I love the internet episode, but <laughs> sorry, it's just, I mean, it really is like, such a great tool. I mean, I don't think like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, these collaborations ever would have happened if it wasn't for the internet. So yeah. Anyway, after the vibe of the song is all decided and I write my little backstory, then I go to work writing the actual lyrics and melody of the song. I'm not going to go too into depth into my recording process right now because that's definitely something I want to cover in a future episode and I don't want to get off topic too much. So I write the song, I'll record it, comp it, mix it, tune it if it needs it. And, you know, then we'll go back and forth if we need to make any little changes or tweaks until we're both really happy with it. And voila, a song baby is born. Um, of course, sometimes, you know, you will send a song to a label and they'll have their little requests and changes. So maybe it's not officially like, you know, all grown up yet, but for the most part, you've got a full on collaboration. It is complete. I always get asked, I feel like I get asked this question like, probably the most is how long does it take you to write a song? And honestly, like this is, and any other songwriter will tell you, like this is an, a question that just can't be answered with any sort of continuity. <laughs> Cause honestly, every song is different. You know, I've had songs happen like in an hour, like soup to nuts, everything's written. I know exactly what it is and it just comes out. And then sometimes a song could take like months to complete. And that's even after like, you know, multiple revisions going back and forth. Like you want to change the chorus, you want to change the melody, whatever it is. So um, 
I honestly really always try to keep in mind that you want to put out your best work every time. Nothing is ever that important where you need to be like rushed, you know? So you always want to try to like, you know, obviously be respectful of the other person's time that that you're working with, but do what's best for the song. Sometimes you'll get a project where it's time sensitive. So sometimes I only have like a few days to come up with a completely finished song, soup to nuts, the whole thing. And, you know, I mean, like if you can make it happen, that's great. And if you can't like, Oh, you know, what are you going to do? You know, there's nothing you could do about it. So, of course, the best is like, you know, when you rush your ass to finish off a song and then it's like what I like to call the hurry up and wait. (laughs) So, like, people love to harass you to finish your work, but then they take all the time in the world to finish, you know, their side. But, you know, that just comes to the territory of songwriting. So, unless something is really time sensitive, like you're trying to finish a vocal for a song that already has a release date on an album or whatever. I really try my best not to let that frazzle me. Cause you know, like we're making music here. We're not doing open heart surgery. Nothing's ever that urgent and either it's going to get done or it's not going to get done. But either way, if you're stressed out about something, you're not going to be able to do your best work. So just, you know, always remind yourself of that. Be nice to yourself, be kind to yourself. Nothing is ever like the end of the world if you don't finish something. So really just stay on a schedule do your best and just have fun with it. You know, we're making music. It's always super important that you're you're having fun and the energy is always really good. So yeah, that's basically how it's done. I also want to mention that before I even start working with somebody, I always discuss splits and fees up front so that there's no miscommunication. I know some people feel a little uncomfortable about doing it first, but I've definitely learned that this is always the best way to start off a productive and healthy working relationship. You know, this way, all of your expectations are laid out on the table from the jump. And if you're uncomfortable, you can politely decline and not waste anyone's time and also not ruin a future business relationship. If possible, I try to get the splits in an email as well before we start working on the song. You know, this way it's it's in an email, everything is communicated, it's clear. Even before we start working on the song and, and even like, you know, contracts are happening, it's always best to be upfront with your expectations and your needs. And it really makes for a healthier work relationship. Also remember, if you feel uncomfortable or like something shady is happening, it's always a good idea just to take a moment Don't sign anything right away. Consult with your peers. Consult with your lawyer if you can afford one (laughs) or even just a friend, like, you know, just talk it out and make sure that you're really doing what's best for you and that you feel comfortable. You know, you've really explored all the options. This is your career. It's your art. It's your work. You should feel confident. You should feel protected and safe about it. So that is how to work remotely with producers all around the world, or at least how I do it. (laughs) So I really hope that you got some good nuggets of information that will help you collaborate, um, have a good time doing it, and not run into any snafus. And thank you so much for joining me today. It's about time to wrap up our first episode of Over the Neon Rainbow. And if there's any topic that you'd like me to cover in future episodes, feel free to shoot an email over to Over the Neon Rainbow Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.